Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Chauncey Show. We're always right, never left. I'm your host, Chauncey Brown. I want to apologize that we have a little delay with connecting. We had some technical difficulties today, but we are on the air. We're going to start off our show like we always do. Uh, we send out prayers to all of those who have lost loved ones. Unfortunately, with the pandemic of COVID-19, we send out prayers to all of those family members and friends who lost loved ones. We also want to send out special prayers for those that are in the hospital or those who have contracted it. We wish you a speedy recovery and, and God's speed. We also want to take a moment to thank all of the frontline workers, police, fire, EMS, doctors, nurses, everybody, scientists that's on the front line trying to battle this disease to give us a normal life. We thank you for your effort, and we keep you in our prayers. We have an exciting show for you lined up today. I'm excited to bring on a gentleman whose reputation and resume speaks for itself. He is the founder of Black Hack GOP. He has been on the front line of seeking justice for all Americans in this country. We're proud to have him in the studio. Let me welcome Mr. George T. Morrell. Welcome to the studio. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chauncey. It's an honor to be here. I hope I can leave, live up to your hype. So. I'm sure that not only will you live up to, but you will exceed anyone who Googles your name will know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. George, it's great to have you on. I, <laughs> George, I'll let you get into talking because you have an extensive resume. So I'm not going to try to sit here and try to explain to everybody because that would be a show in and of itself just me talking about you without okay. you. So I'll let you summarize okay. by talking a little bit about who you are, how you got to become the founder of Black Pack GOP, and then we'll get into mm-hmm. some some really interesting stuff about being a black conservative, uh, about being a black conservative in America today, what challenges we face as being a black conservative, and all the things that we have been affected by as we are moving forward fighting for our nation. Go ahead. All right, well, let me tell you what Black PAC means. It's the Black Latin Asian Political Action Committee. Black Latin Asian Knowledge Political Action Committee. Did I skip out there? Okay. No. Okay. I was switching the headphones from speaker, so... Um, no, you're good. And the you're Black Latin uh, Asian Poli- Knowledge Political Action Committee was started by my wife and I after we went to a Christmas party. We went to a Christmas party, and this was after Obama was elected. And before he was elected, we go to Christmas parties, and they'd be fully integrated, and you see your white friends, your black friends, your Spanish friends at one party. After Obama was elected, I don't know how this happened, we started going to separate Christmas parties, and I didn't really like that. So we were sitting on our sofa and said, hey, we need to do something about this. I don't know what, what happened, but we need to bring the country back together. We need to work to bring the country back together, black, Latins, Asians, uh, conservatives, 
to work together. So we started Black Pack, and we started working to get uh, Blacks, Latin, Asians elected, and we were very successful on the local level in Florida. We lived in Tampa, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida, and we were local. Uh, we were getting uh, people elected to local office, city council, uh, county commission. We we actually had the first uh, black elected to Pinellas County County Commission. Uh, before that, before we even started Black Pack, uh, Jeb Bush, I worked with Jeb Bush to appoint the first black ever to Pinellas County uh, School Board. So we're already involved in politics in Florida, getting people into positions, and we thought we'd take it on a national basis. We would leave Florida and start to elect people all over the country. So we were successful. Again, we actually we helped Byron Donald, uh, who's now a U.S. congressman, get his start in the Florida legislature. So we were pretty successful in Florida, but not as successful as we wanted to be. So we started doing more and more and more. And that's how we built up Black Pack. We started from a, a Christmas conversation in 2012 or 2013. And, and we developed courses. And part of the courses were put together by uh, Jennifer Carroll, who was Lieutenant Governor under Rick Scott. So we were using experienced politicians to teach other politicians or people who uh, who wanted to become politicians the proper way to do it. Not that God told them to do it, but that they actually would start at a lower level and work their way up so that they would know government when they got there. And we've been very successful with our training courses. We partnered with some of the greatest people in America. Elba Guillory is one of our partners. Derek Wilburn in Colorado, we work with him. We started building a team because one of the other things we noticed is that black conservatives were acting like crabs in a barrel. And if you ever heard that, you know, black people tend to pull each other down and not pull each other up. And we're seeing that go on right now with this, uh, how do you call it, with these two ladies over this song. You know, they're working to pull each other down. And one of the things you have to start is recognizing that kind of behavior. So one of, the good, one of the first things we want to do with black Republicans is to work to pull each other up, to brag about each other, to talk about each other's accomplishments. Because like Malcolm X said, you cannot have black-black unity or black-white unity unless you have black-black unity. So we work to actually uh, pull other blacks up, to brag about their accomplishments, to help them accomplish more, and to stop this crab-in-a-barrel attitude that we were running into with the black Republicans, where before they were talked bad about each other so they could be the only one in the room. And now we're at the point where we actually help each other up. We help each other run for office. We support each other as well as we can, and, we, and that's what makes Black Pack successful because we're working together as a team across the country to get more blacks elected in office. You know, there's 535 members of Congress, and there's only two black men in Congress that are Republicans. That's horrible. The Republican Party and the people in the Republican Party are not racist, but they look racist. <laughs> so with that being said, <laughs> I'm going to stop there. <laughs> George, thank you for that profound introduction laying the groundwork on what your organization does. 
stuck out in my mind the most is the need for our young people, especially blacks in these major cities controlled by Democrats, mm-hmm. to help them understand their role, their public duty, their public servant, their civic responsibility role in government. I see, and I've been in politics a long time, in office, out of office, but I've seen these young especially in the Northeast, like New Jersey, New York, mm-hmm. these young people jump in. It's popularity contests. Mm-hmm. They're not in one position, and they're ready to jump to another position and another position, not paying their dues or really understand the commitment that you made to the first position that the people elected you to serve. So your training and education of not only teamwork, the policy and political educational building is imperative. That is another reason why the Democratic Party continues to beat us because they don't do education. Of course, we know you vote the line, Mm -hmm. but that brainwashing has been conditioned where they don't have to educate them, all they say is line A, line B. So the dynamic Mm -hmm. that your organization is bringing to the table, which is awesome, is you're teaching people how to be public servants and legislators for the people. Mm -hmm. That is what we are missing, your organization is desperately needed. Thank God you're a Republican, but we <laughs> hope that, that the Democrats will start waking up, but that's not their M.O. because, you know, the Democratic Party exists, started based on racism. Now they change yeah. from racism to identity politics. So there's nothing <laughs> new there. So until the people get off of the intellectual plantation, I call it, and become educated and open their eyes and ears to government, to being a legislator, what it is about and about serving people and not power and money, the country might be a little bit better off. Now, now George, you know being a black conservative, especially over these last four years, of Trump, I don't think that there has been anybody who has been crucified more than us. They could talk about Black Lives Matter. They could talk about LGBTQ, whatever that mess is. But being a black conservative in America today is almost like just being a black man during Jim Crow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We get it well, from our own know, people. We get it from our own people. And we get it from the Democratic left white establishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we get yeah, called George, Tom, and we get called yes. tokens and, and all that stuff. But you know what? The Democratic Party only has one, one bullet to fire, and that's to call you our Uncle Tom or, or uh, token and to call the Republican Party racist. Um, let, let me give you an example, and, and this just came up today. Uh, in 2014, I asked Governor Rick Scott, 
to go to a black church with me. And we went to Bethel Community Church in South St. Petersburg. And he was gracious enough. He came. And we sat through the whole service. He didn't come for five minutes and leave. He actually got into the service. So I, I, I talked to the pastor again today and said, you know, we need to have Rick Scott back. I don't want to have him back during the election year. I wanted to have him back when it's not an election year. So his, exactly. Rick Scott's office was gracious enough to call and said that he would come back and, and come to another service like we did in 2014. I'm sorry it took so long for me to ask him back. But I can tell you, Rick Scott is stiff as a board, but he's not a racist. You know, he increased funding after going to that church service. He increased funding to, to the community and to the state and to, to a lot of areas that impact African-Americans and Hispanics. But, you know, you've got to have the ask, and you've got to make the, the engagement. And, unfortunately, a lot of the white Republicans never make the ask from their side. And that's something we have to actually do a better job. We have, we, you know, Trump increased funding to HBCUs. That wasn't even on the table. Nobody brought that up. He just did it. <laughs> you know, he said, why do you guys come and beg Congress every year? You should have permanent funding. He made historically black colleges and university funding permanent. Hopefully Biden doesn't take it away. I hope, he doesn't, I hope they're not listening because they will take it back, <laughs> just like they took back the pipeline uh, and stopped building the wall. You know, a lot of decisions that Biden is making – are hurting African-Americans and Hispanics and people who work with their hands, their hands. So, you know, you've got to bring this up to Democrats and say, look, we're not the racist. We may look racist because you may not see a lot of us out there, but we're not the racist. The Republican Party is not the racist. And that's the only card the Democratic Party has to play. They only have one card, a Trump card, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> and that's I like that. The Trump card. <laughs> they, they I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that from you, George. I'm stealing <laughs> that right. from you. But, the Trump card. <laughs> the Trump card. But, you know, the Republican Party, our policies are not racist. Charter schools are not racist. Charter schools give parents who want to take the extra step to do better by their children a way to get out of failing schools, failing public schools. Now, let me tell you something. When a a parent makes a decision to put their child into a charter school, they've made a decision that they now have to pay for transportation because there's no buses to charter schools. You've got to pay for that bus or you've got to drop your child off. So as a parent, when you make that decision, you just made a decision that's going to make it harder on you because before you could just send your your child to the corner and let the school bus pick them up. Well, you can't do that. with charter schools. We don't have that transportation system. So there's a lot of things that you got to explain to parents why this is better and why this is a Republican issue. Republicans believe in school choice. You choose the school you want to send your child to, not the government. That's a winning issue, but we're not explaining it in urban communities. We need people who can go in and explain this in urban communities, which is what Black Pack does. Black PAC wins 20% of the black vote across the country. We, they tell us it's 10 to 12%, but it's really 20. Because when you look at the population figures in the South, blacks and Hispanics make up 35% of the voting population. And the Republican Party, unfortunately, Ronald McDaniel, 
doesn't reach out to those people. Black Pack is reaching out and, and winning those people over. And and we just did it. We won a race in Georgia <laughs> while the Republican Party lost. I shouldn't, you know. Mm-hmm. We had Marjorie Green. She was someone we supported. She won her race, <laughs> but the two Democrats running for Senate, they lost. Why did they lose? Because they were running a race uh, that was looking for more white voters and wasn't talking to black voters. With Marjorie Green, we were talking to everybody. We were talking to Asians. There's a large Asian population in Georgia, around Atlanta, along Jimmy Carter Boulevard, all Asian businesses. Uh, we were talking to a lot of the young Hispanics. We were going to black universities. And, and Marjorie won her race. And you got to look at this in Georgia. How did she win a race for a congressional seat and we lost two senators? In Georgia. Because <laughs> in Georgia, in the South. In the Georgia, South. yeah. <laughs> Because the Republican Party doesn't know how to communicate with minorities, with black, Latins, and Asians. And that's what makes us so successful. We make the ask, and we explain the product. We explain the product better than the Republican Party can explain the product. George. You know, we talk about the Second Amendment. Do you want to um, right. call a cop and wait on a cop, especially since the Democrats are eliminating police departments? Or do you want to be able <laughs> yeah. to defend yourself? <laughs> so. And I mean, the people the in Seattle, department. they probably want to. Yeah, you want to eliminate the, the police pe- department? Yeah, and that only and that and the thing is that hurts uh, uh, black people. But if you don't mind, I just want to interject for a second here. Yeah. You are bringing up some salient points. And again, I, I have to my hat's off to you because of the impact that your organization is making. This has been my argument for the past twenty years: is that the Republican Party. It's not racist, but because they've abandoned the city since the 70s, mm-hmm. the only way we're going to make a debt and to secure elections on a national level is we need boots on the ground, as you just alluded to, in these cities. The Republican Party on the national level needs to make a commitment to these major cities to get involved with changing the so- social and economic framework and participate in nonprofits and these type of organizations and be fully engaged all year round, not just election time, if you want to break down that barrier or perception of being racist. If they don't see you, they think you don't care. Unlike the Democrats, they'll promise you everything, they'll make you feel good, and these cities look like the Middle East looked like war zones. <laughs> Baltimore, Patterson, Newark, L.A., Watts, I mean, Chicago, okay? But these Democrats keep talking about that the Republicans are racist, yet you, the Democratic Party and the left, continually oppress the people that you are purportingly saying that you're helping. That message has to fail sooner or later because you're not delivering nothing but rhetoric and hot air. And how come the people can't see it? But that's why the black pack is intact. To combat the the challenges between the Republican Party and the black community. I told you, George, we're going to have fun on my show. I told you that. Let me me tell you, there's a tragedy going on in America right now in Jackson, Mississippi. 
they haven't had water for four to five weeks. It's a democratic town, a black democratic town, falling into disrepair, living like a third world country. I don't know how you can live with four weeks without water. In, in a democratic wow. city, but I, I, I bet they, I bet the Democrats get reelected. <laughs> I, I, it's amazing you know, that the Democrats will get yeah. reelected when they, when they I need go- to say, "Hey, what's wrong with our leadership? Why, why aren't we getting water?" Now, hopefully, some of this infrastructure bill will go and give them new water pipes. But to have a U.S. city living in third world conditions under Democratic leadership. And it's not just there. It's Flint, Michigan. They have a water issue. They haven't right. solved yet. All Democrats. Uh, and you know what? You haven't heard anything on the news about Jackson, Mississippi. Not a peep. Well, you know, well, I have because I mean uh, that's what I do all day. But you're yeah. right. That's not uh, that's not in the mainstream media. It's not in the mainstream media. You know it's what's in the like, mainstream just... media? WAP. This WAP song. <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know, George, it's George. You know, it's it's. You know, George. Let me digress for a second because, like now, you you know, I call this the deception of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Now, Joe Biden is not allowing the media to go down to the border. No. Nancy Pelosi said this crisis was created by Trump. I mean, these people are out of their minds, out of their minds. You created these, yeah. this border crisis when you were on your campaign looking for new votes because you've already secured the black vote. The Spanish vote woke, woke up and has gone to the Republican Party, so now you're looking for additional votes. We know what your immigration policy is, is about, Democrats. You're giving you know them free that health is care. Fail. Of that, course it's going to fail. Because those people are coming here because they're leaving communist countries. They're leaving socialism. They're not going to come here and vote for the Socialist Party. So, I mean, as long as the Democrats take the effort and make the effort to explain that we're for democracy in the Democratic Party and Black Lives Matter, and let me bring them into the conversation, because they're uh, they're the enforcers for the Democratic Party. And they're working hand in hand with the Democratic Party. That's right. The KKK KKK. was exactly Um, this. This thing will fail. If you ask any Asians and go back to when their parents came here or the Hispanics when when the Cubans came to Miami, they'll tell you they were leaving socialism and communism. These folks are suffering under uh, in El Salvador and Guatemala. Even the Irish. Even the Irish back in the the day. Even the Irish for uh, religious persecution in Ireland. I mean, you know, know, like I said, education is the key, George. Yep. But we have to make the Education is the key. You know, Ronna, I'm going to bring up Ronna because Ronna's not doing a great job for the Republican Party. What she's doing is is, is sucks. And she's not reaching out. She's she's not doing the job. And and I think that was one of Trump's biggest mistakes. He had the – he could have got rid of her in January of last year and he didn't do it. And I was shocked that he didn't do it. Um, but she's been stabbing him in the back ever since he was elected. Really? Really? Oh my God. <laughs> Look, I guess I wasn't Repu- paying attention not enough. With any outside groups. No, they're not they're not working with any outside groups. Uh, they barely work with new candidates. The candidates that we're we help getting elected, 
The GOP's not there. The GOP wasn't there for Marjorie Greene or, or Byron Donalds. Nowhere to be found. So, you know, well, that's, new that's leadership sad needs because, to hit the GOP. Yeah. Not only new leadership, George, you know, your organization and your philosophy needs to reach the mainstream GOP because you already have yeah. the formula in place on how we could win elections in these challenging states and in these challenging cities. And until the Republican Party at the top says, hey, listen, you know, you can't win with just suburban communities anymore. Look what just happened on how they stole this election from you. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, yes, there is, there is fraud, you know. Yeah, okay, fraud, there is fraud, and you should have saw it happening. But here's the electorate. The electorate is 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, and 30% Independent. And we're losing the independent voters. We may, you know, we can keep the Republican voters in the suburbs uh, with the great jobs, but we're we're losing the young independent voters also. We're losing women voters. So we we got to do a great job. But we're job. gaining. But we're gaining more young black men. Yes. We're gaining more Hispanics. Yes. Okay. But. You know, your organization is pivotal. The more and more I'm listening to you, the more your organization is really going to be on the front line, is going to really play a major role in how the Republican Party moves forward in their philosophy of starting to include cities. Because you're already doing it. You already have the template. You're already the example. You already have a winning strategy. You've already gotten candidates elected. And, and, and we need to work in your... Philadelphia. <laughs> we need to, because if you lose Philadelphia, yeah. oh, you, you lose Pennsylvania. That's right. <laughs> if you lose, and, and we're close to losing Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, you know, we're 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 hanging on in Florida. When uh, when Jeb Bush won Florida, he won by four hundred thousand votes, landslide, and 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 that's what the first person I helped. The first time Jeb ran for governor of Florida. He was quoted as saying he wasn't going to do anything for black people. The second time he won, we turned it around. I had a, a, a state rep named Rudy Bradley who came out and endorsed him and, and flipped from Democrat to Republican. We had a, a bunch of Democrats actually come out and endorse Jeb Bush uh, from Tampa and other areas. And, and that's how he won the second time. And he, he won because I consider him the grandfather of charter schools because he actually worked on education, and he came up with a one Florida plan. Because in Florida, you can actually tell when you get to a black neighborhood because the palm trees stop. <laughs> so you'll be driving along, and the palm trees will stop. <laughs> you're, you're, and you'll see George, these, you're bad. These skinny pavement, oak trees. Only. <laughs> the pavement. <laughs> the black community is just pavement. It's not the <laughs> hey, you can it's even like be that in, every in Miami. It's like that in every major city, wherever the black community. Oh, like, okay, hey, one second, George. There's no no palm trees in Florida. Well, how about there's no trees at all up here in the Northeast in these neighborhoods? It's all paved concrete and macadam. <laughs> yeah, there's no trees at all. Yeah, you got to come no up here by trees. New York, by New Jersey. There's no trees. That's sad. Oh wow, we're making a joke about it, you but it's sad. No, we're making a joke, but if your community doesn't look good, you can't really be proud of it. So, I mean, you go exactly. to Miami and you go to Liberty City, the, there's no palm trees in Liberty City. 
<laughs> you're like, what the hell happened to the palm trees? All of Miami has palm trees except Liberty City. Um, and, and I asked the Public Works Department about that. I said, why do you don't have palm trees in Liberty City? And they said, well, we don't have water. we don't have uh, reclaimed water. I said, what do you mean you don't have reclaimed water? This reclaimed water is a thing where they use uh, use water to water the plants. And they said oh, it was okay. a drought or something. So, you know, we need to make sure our communities get the, the services they deserve. You deserve trees. <laughs> you deserve – and At if least you can the get minimum. the trees, you can get the other stuff. So exactly. that's one of the things we've got to do is, is come up with a One America plan or a One Philadelphia plan. Well, we start with the community. We start with the basics. We start with the infrastructure. Like in Jackson, Mississippi, they don't even have water. <laughs> in America, you don't have water. Yeah, it's not laughing. I can't imagine how you how you live. You know, you can't even flush your toilet for four weeks with no water. It's, it's amazing, and it's sad that it's happening in this country. It's happening in the U.S. But still, now you have immigrants from Guatemala and El Salvador that still want to come here because they know they're going to probably get a better deal. But I expect of that course. we have to engage them, um, and, and we have to communicate with them, just like we have to do the cities. We have to talk to the cities and say, look, I'm going to give you some trees. If I get you some trees, will you vote Republican? <laughs> that's that's you know, a poor bargaining chip. <laughs> but, it, it, George, you know, it's interesting because anybody who lives in these socialist countries, if you yeah. offer me right to vote, driver's license, medical care, housing, free education. Listen, can I leave America and go to that place and say I'm illegal? Because you you have more rights, more privileges than a natural-born American citizen, and that's a shame. Yep. Yeah. That and, is and a shame. And you get to vote with no ID. And, and you don't especially understand. Hispanics share their IDs. Listen, we know that. They're they share Social Security numbers. They share their driver's license. I was arguing. I was I was debating with two black people on Facebook earlier. My comment was that if you have to have a driver's license to drive a car, you should have a voter ID to vote. This was the response was mm-hmm. uh, one black person. Well, uh, uh, well, I kind of agree, but you're comparing a, a driver's license that's a privilege to a right. <laughs> I said, like, all right, well, let me let me let me back up and break this down for them, okay? First of all, voting is controlled. Electro- the electoral process is controlled by the government. That's number one. Uh-huh. How do you prove who you are? How do you get a credit mm-hmm. card without having ID? So you might have a right, which all rights are granted by God, inalienable rights. But when you're engaged in a government, you have to have identification to prove who you are. So, and Mm -hmm. then I said to them, I'm a little confused. All the major cities in the country that are controlled by Democrats, yet the Democratic Party says that voter suppression is taking place by Republicans is racist. So my question to them was, is, please explain to me in all of these Democratic cities how the Republicans are suppressing 
that black vote. Please. Please, uh, explain that to me. I can't that's explain the democratic, that. That's the Democratic's uh, mantra now. Oh, the, 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 the Republicans are racist. They're engaging in voter registration laws to, to suppress the black vote. Really? Well, if you look like at I the said, they nation, got one card to play. If you look at the nation, there's not many Republicans that control cities, states, but not cities. So what is the Democratic Party doing in these cities? But when you look at voter fraud, and you could put Patterson, Trump put Patterson on the map. You have two city council persons in Patterson that are indicted right now for voter fraud, both Democrats. So I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Where are the Republicans engaging in in voter fraud? This is happening in every major city that is run by Democrats. And voter fraud has existed for at least 67 years that I know of in these cities. Because I used to work the election board, and I saw their process of fraud. Mm -hmm. But, of course, at that time, when you're a part of the system, you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Now, Now I'm not a part of the system, so I can talk. I can be open about it. But it's really ironic that Trump says there's been voter fraud. Of course he's right. Actually, most of the things that he says is right, even though it doesn't come out the right way. (laughs) He's right most of the time. But like you said, George Brewer, his delivery delivery is gangster. Okay? (laughs) But like, like I put in a post. You know, you want to call Donald Trump a racist? Well, how do you want your racism served? Blatantly or subtle, like Joe Biden? If, if, if he's a racist, uh, he then how do you want your racism served? <laughs> well, I tell you what, he, George, he's, yeah. his policies are more racist than Trump's ever were. That's and, my and, point. And it's going to come out. Uh, but, I mean, but, but look, they keep talking about what, 30%, 40%? Who's that hurting? Poor people? <laughs> Always uh, vote against yeah, their own interest. interest you vote against your own interest. So gas is up. The uh, the interest rate on housing is going up. You know, he's Jimmy Carter 2.0. That's what Biden is, Jimmy Carter 2.0. Worst president and just, ever. And we he's talking about raising the taxes. Yep, we're going to raise taxes. You had mortgage Back to 39%. interest rates at 13 to 15%. Yes. Yep. He wants to bring the taxes back, the federal tax, to 40%. Who's that hurting? Poor people. <laughs> yep. Because when he brought the corporate figure a way around it. Exactly. When he, they'll when he, they'll when, start when, a limited when, liability partnership and in, in, in hide all their taxes. When Donald Trump instituted the 20% corporate tax, I'm a business owner. You know how happy I was? Uh-huh. <laughs> 20%. You know how happy I was? Very it's happy. Hurting. Now, that that helped small businesses like me. Yeah. Joe Biden, you want to take it away? Well, guess what? I'll find more ways. I'll find. Uh, I'll invest more money in my SEP, or I'll try to find ways. Like you said, you'll find ways to hide your money. That's all you're doing It's making me find ways and other people to hide their money. That's not being recirculated back into the community that was Donald nope. Trump, just like Reagan, the trickle-down theory. And there's no okay. small business that can afford fifteen dollars an hour. That's ludicrous. That, that's another thing. You know, McDonald's that really. is going to totally automate it 
they're they're gonna have the hamburger slide down, cook itself, flip itself. George, exactly. And who does that hurt? It hurts <laughs> black, Hispanic, and poor people in all of these cities. Are you mm-hmm. serious? And yeah, then speaking no, about, no, I can't imagine a business paying fifteen bucks an hour. There's no business I can think of that's in the city that can pay fifteen bucks an hour. Just can't do it. Everybody's going to be an Uber I, driver. George, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know if you saw my post, uh, but the lady Gupta who was up for DOJ, her company is worth between thirty-five and fifty million dollars. Wow! Guess how much she pays her workers. Seven a dollar, <laughs> a dollar, a dollar, 30 cents an hour. Oh, is this the one in and, Mexico that has a business in Mexico? Yes, yes. And she, yeah, and she says that I support the $15 minimum wage, yet she, she pays her workers a dollar, 30 cents an hour. Wow. The, 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 that's what I'm saying. The hypocrisy of the left is beyond the pale. But they hide that stuff. The mainstream media doesn't talk about it. And most people, you know, they don't read or they don't do research. They don't have time because they have lives. They're trying to, they're trying to survive. I mean, I know that, mm-hmm. you know, you and me, are we're rare as far as I wake up thinking about politics. I go to bed thinking about politics. <laughs> I know I'm a rare. I'm, I know I'm, I don't have a life. <laughs> So I don't expect uh, oh. I don't expect everybody to know what I know because my head is buried into news all day and research and looking for information of why they're how they're lying. <coughs> Excuse me. That's true. But but and, you, and, and but now that you mentioned it, I'm I gotta, sorry. Go ahead. I got, I got to. No, I was letting you know who's running. And we have five who's more minutes in uh, left in the show. Oh, we got five more. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Forty-five. Everybody is in the sound of my voice. Classen Bernard is running for Congress. A young black man went to LSU, uh, champion athlete, running for Congress, beautiful family. He's in uh, Congressional District 2, which stretches from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. If you can do whatever you can, call somebody in Louisiana, get them out okay. tomorrow. Is this ele- not tomorrow, Saturday is election day for that district, for all of Louisiana, special election. He's a great guy, Claston Bernard. He's on the ballot, at, I think, is number three. And it, the NBC affiliate is denying him a place in the debate tonight. They won't let him debate. So they're, they're George, afraid quick, he's going to win. George, George, when's the election? It's Saturday. Saturday. George, if, if you can. We finish this show. If we can connect, if you can give me his number, I will try to have him on a show right away tomorrow. Okay, I will yeah, do that. Give him I a, will do that. Yeah, yeah, to give him a voice. But listen, before we go, because I got four minutes left, I got to do my closing. Yeah. George, please uh, share with my audience your website for Black Pack. If people want to donate, if people want to volunteer, please share that information with my audience so they can reach out and be a part of this movement of changing the face of America. Yes. Black Pack, B-L-A-K-P-A-C dot G-O-P is the website. You can go there and make a donation. We have a donation page direct to our, uh, to our, uh, our pack. We help get black Latin and Asians elected. That's our first priority. And by doing that, we bring more black Latins and Asians into the party and we expand the party. We grow the party. Uh, and we've been, we've been 
uh, in business since I think we're five years old. We're five years old. And I look forward to, if you want to write me, please write me. I write everybody back. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as BlackPack, B-L-A-K-P-A-C. And I'll always get back to you uh, no matter what time it is. And right now we're, we're pushing Mr. Uh, Claston Bernard for Congress. We were successful with Byron Donalds and Marjorie Green in this last cycle, which you've heard me talk about. Uh, we're looking for really sharp candidates that come out of the state house or city council or county commission. Those are our ideal candidates because they know what it takes to win. And once we win there, we can get them to Congress. Unfortunately, right now, there's only two black Republicans in Congress, which we should be ashamed of. We should be working for more. Uh, we need to have the support of Rick Scott, who runs a uh, Republican National Leadership Committee. We need a House Leadership Committee to step up. We need Ronna McDaniels to do something, which he hasn't done anything in four years. So we need, we need help to make this happen. We've got to work as a team. Teamwork makes the dream work. You know, the DNC has Black Lives Matter, and we don't have – and the RNC doesn't have anybody because they refuse to work or even acknowledge black candidates or, or Latin candidates. We helped uh, three – we had three victories in California of Asian women in the Los Angeles area. We were very successful in Los Angeles. Uh, two new Hispanics went to Congress from Miami-Dade, uh, and, and that, uh, that was another win that we, we didn't celebrate as much as we should. But, again, it's B-L-A-K-P-A-C dot G-O-P. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, if you email me, I'll email you back. And please make uh, your generous donation, and it will not go to waste. It will go to getting people elected. We're working on races this year. We're working on races in 2022. And we need to take back the House, but we can't take back the House if we don't have Latins and Asians and blacks voting Republican. And we're the best at getting our message out. We talk about education. We talk about Second Amendment. And we talk about our differences with the, Repu- with the Democrats. And, and, and we, we can go into the urban areas. We have a, a group of uh, canvassers, young canvassers, that aren't afraid. As a matter of fact, the reason we use orange, so you know this, George, is because we George, were canvassing in L.A. Oh, George, I'm sorry, I'm out of time, okay? George, I I want to apologize. We're out of time. I want to thank George for coming into the studio. We will be inviting him back on to talk about candidates, to talk about his organization, to raise the level of consciousness of all Americans on how we could move forward to protect our nation. I want to thank George for coming in the studio today. You can join the Chauncey Show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time, 3 o'clock Pacific uh, Standard Time. Please join us this Tuesday. We're having former congressional candidate and filmmaker and producer Earl Weber, candidate for California governor, in the studio. Please join us. You can find The Chauncey Show on Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Gab, LinkedIn, all over social media. Please follow us for updates. We will keep you updated on what's happening in our nation. We thank all for listening. If you'd like to donate to our campaign or to, I'm sorry, the campaign, to our show to help us, it's The Chauncey Show. PayPal me at PayPal, The Chauncey Show. We thank you all for listening. Have a good night, and God bless you all. Good night now.